Coming up on this episode of Open for Business, Seth Godin on why we hate airports and air travel, Tom Friedman on a revolution in universities and the eyeballs war of 2013. All that and more coming up on episode 65 of Open for Business. This is the Hartford Online Radio Network, 21st Century Audio, delivered. Bandwidth for On The Horn is provided by Amazon S3 servers. Amazon S3 is storage over the internet. Retrieve any amount of data at any time from anywhere on the web. Highly scalable, reliable, secure, fast, and inexpensive. All from a name you trust, Amazon. For more information about Amazon S3 storage, visit aws.amazon.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Brian Parker, and I am joined tonight by Zen Master, Tommy Russo of LNR Productions. Hello, Tommy. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. Ken Cook is also here looking very professor. I see we're both wearing our cardigans today. We are, sir. It's It's been a very smart show. I can just feel it. And I didn't get the memo. It's golf aspiration time. You know, I quit this sport, but I have too many damn sweaters. <laughs> Uh, it's good to have you all here. We are open for business, the podcast that explores <laughs> all things business, entrepreneurship, technology, marketing, customer service, making a few bucks for yourself. Hey, you know what? We've had a lot of questions um, coming in from the email, and we want to actually start making that part of the show, so certainly do that. Join a whole bunch of LinkedIn groups. We're all over the place. Um, so we're going to start incorporating that next week, I think, is, is listener questions and concerns and all that kind of jazz, or just ideas. Or if you just want to tell me how handsome I am. That would also be fine. Let's get to the first hot potato <laughs> news item. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> so Seth Godin has uh, written a little piece. You know what, Seth Godin, if you want to go, uh, sethgodin.typepad.com. Great little website, just for like little nuggets. Yeah. You know, it's almost, it's great entertainment. Uh, great business writer, Seth Godin, explains clearly why we hate airports and air travel. Kenny, tell me more about it. I just... I, one, I love Seth Godin. He, I get his blog every day, and it is one of the few things that I read religiously. And this one just struck me because I can just picture him sitting there after just spending 47 and a half minutes on a security line trying to get his shoes back on because he's running late for his plane and being pissed off and then sitting down in the seat and saying, all right, I've had enough. It's time to pin why we hate airports. And he's got a list of them here. Now, let me just throw the first one out because I think it's one of the best. Number one, no one is in charge. The airport doesn't appear to have a CEO, and if it does, you never see her, hear about her, or interact with her in any way. What a great and concise observation. Yeah, and it's more like the TSA is really in charge. Well, like, don't you get that feeling? Number two, problems persist because organizations defend their turf instead of embracing the problem. The TSA blames the facilities people who blame someone else, and around and around it goes. Yeah, no, I, you know. Yo, Seth, right on. Yeah. It, it's tough to make when you have that sort of quasi, you know, government agents in there. Absolutely. Um, it's tough to create a team atmosphere because you all have different bosses. Yeah, and the TSA, they're ruled by politics. See, that I think, if if there are consultants listening to us out there, business consultants, that is a gold mine. Oh, God, Brand yes. yourself as the niche of creating a team aspect between airport facility workers and TSA. I mean, you have to actually have some jobs. Got a ton of airports to work that, it in. I mean, that would, that, that's a million-dollar idea that I'm just giving you right now. 
That would be a great idea. So is there the the positive poster child in airports across the country that we could point to and say, this is how it's run? I mean, I, every industry has one or two or 20 that you can point to and say they finally got it right. Is there a single airport that we know of? That, I haven't been in one. Neither have I. That's why I'm asking. I our, our local one here, Bradley, isn't too bad, but it's so small that it's almost... I think that's part of it. I mean, I think that because of the size of it and the amount yeah. of people that are not going through mm-hmm. is the reason why the experiences aren't ev- as horrific as they are in other places. Yeah, I mean, to me, airports distinguish themselves by the individual, not by the system. Occasionally, I will run across the TSA agent that checks ID who was just so, so pleasant knowing that you've just spent the last X amount of time waiting to get to him. And he makes it more bearable. Or you have the gate agent, or you have the flight attendant who's just funny as hell because she's just got one quip after another to make everybody relaxed while they're sitting in their three-and-a-half-foot-wide cubicle for the next four-and-a-half hours. So, But it's all individuals. To me, there is no system in an airport that is pervasive across all of the organizations that makes it an experience worth having. We could quickly turn this into a bitch fest about airports, and uh, I'm okay with that. Cool. <laughs> this is number three cracks. We have food is aimed squarely at the middle, uh, middle market. People uh, who like steamed vegetables and steamed meat bags and <laughs> chips never yeah. have a problem <laughs> finding something to eat at the airport. Yeah, you know, I and I go to you know I go to O'Hare and I go to Dulles and I go to. Um, Dallas, Fort Worth, and I'm in LAX, and I'm in whatever, San Francisco. Um, I never, never eat in an airport, any of the airport food, unless I'm so hungry, I'll grab like a Snickers bar. Right. Because that's, I feel safe there. But the rest of it is like, eh, I'd rather eat the plain food. Actually, I, back in December, I flew out of Logan, early morning flight had time for breakfast at the airport before leaving. And that worked well because the fast food vendors are not normally open for bre- breakfast. In Sabaro, the pizza place, yeah. they use their grill to cook fresh eggs. Now, that oh, was that good. that was interesting. It's not part of their franchise. It's not part of their system. So they just have a big basket of eggs. They'll make you an omelet. You want veggies on this? Onions, cheese, da-da-da-da? So it's like, uh, what's that word called? A restaurant. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, let's say, like colleges, airports see customers as powerless transients. Here's a good one. Not any, I don't know if they do anymore. Oh, yeah. You think? Yeah. Yeah, you're... In, There's some in some law. Everybody's but, spaceless. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. I was trying to think, like, you know, they have all these different reward programs and lounges you can go to. Did you ever go through Atlanta in a push period? I hate Atlanta. That is the worst airport on the earth. Just getting from B to C in Atlanta is just, it's it's unbelievably tough. It's just dirty. I mean, God forbid you have to go to the bathroom in there. Yeah, it is. It's really antiquated. Like, hike up your pants. So here's my question. Is, Is air travel up, down from this time last year, let alone this time from three, four, five years ago? Having a clue. That'd be a good question because, again, keeping in mind that we are about 
getting and keeping customers. I wonder how that industry is doing in getting and keeping customers. That's an industry that doesn't have to worry about losing customers because there aren't alternatives. Um, much to the chagrin of my um, fellow Republicans out there, I will tell you that it's it's a better economic climate than it was four years ago. Yes. <gasps> Gasp. Um, <laughs> but... Oh, my God, did he say that? Yes. Uh, You're hearing yes. more and more of Control your yourself, Brian. <laughs> In fact, it's twice as good, you knuckle brain. Look at the stock market. Um, <laughs> not that that's blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I had to imagine it, it, it's definitely up. And I can tell you, I've been flying more than I have in 2000. I mean, I'm flying at the same rates that I did in, like, 2006, 2005. I'm flying at those quantities now. Yeah. But uh, it, the the challenge to motivate airlines and airports to upgrade how they treat their customers is really high because there is no new competition and they all collaborate not in an insidious behind-the-scenes way, but they collaborate on pricing. They collaborate on agreements of hub-and-spoke systems. Yep. They collaborate on acceptance of what the TSA is doing, sort of mandated on them. But, I mean, they got enough pull that they could probably beat back. And the barrier to entry is incredibly high. So there's no new competitors. Nobody new is coming into this industry. And until Branson can get off the ground with his space flight, we got nothing but airplanes. That's it. And I'll tell you, though, you know, from a maintenance standpoint, I mean, you're Fact of the matter is, driving in your car, taking a bus, uh, getting struck by lightning, getting eaten by a shark, all more likely things than dying in a plane crash. So we got to give them a little bravo to that. Yeah, I mean, they the realize surviving a plane crash is terrible, but, you know, if the plane's going to go down, you're probably dead. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's very low instant. Eaten by a shark, you're probably dead too, so. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, they realize that there is a, there's a Rubicon that they can't cross, and that's it. They, yeah. they have to protect the customer. Oh, yeah. If it ever becomes less safe to fly than drive your car, the, there is it's like, going to collapse on Talk itself. about a slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> no one will fly. I love number nine here. There are plenty of potential bad surprises, but no good ones. <laughs> you can have a flight be canceled, be strip searched, or even go to the wrong airport. But all possibility for delight has been removed. And it wouldn't take much to completely transform the experience from a chore to a delight. And I remember growing up in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, um, you, well, we got dressed up to get on, on a plane. I would have to wear my little blazer. My mom would make yep. sure my tie was straight yep. and all that kind of stuff. And I had my little penny loafers. Now it's like jeans, slip-on shoes, oh, a zip-up pullover in case I want to take it off quickly because you can't really do the pullover over. Um, yeah, I mean, you look like crap now. The, uh, summertime? Terrible, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you I can't got, quite got, understand the the flip flops. You got on people an getting on airplanes, gentlemen, gentlemen. You have men who are overweight in the white wife beater t shirts and nothing else because it's hot out, and they get on airplanes in that. Yeah, I mean, you just like Eek. yeah. Can you imagine sitting next to that? No, I mean, and and you know what it is. At some point, you have to allow. It's such a litigious society, but at some point you have to allow the airport to say, you know what, we have dressing standards. Yeah. And we leave it up to the responsibility of the captain and the crew to decide if you are dressed appropriately. 
Yeah, I wish they did. You know what? That's going to open up a serious can of worms. It though. is, but you know what? It almost—I almost want that fight because you should not be. You know, your armpit should not be exposed. I agree. <laughs> I guess it's really what That's I'm trying to say. That's where we draw yeah. the line. You know? Yeah, and sitting next to the armpit, and all of a sudden, he wants something out of the overhead? No. Thank no. <laughs> Just thank a you. bad, bad image. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Seth Godin. Thanks for sharing, though. <laughs> yeah. Seth is great. Please do uh, read him. Uh, Revolution in universities. I'm very excited to hear about this story. Who's who's doing this? Kenny or... Can you take it one more time, I'll, please? I'll bridge you over, actually borrowing one last one from, Stet, from Seth. Yeah. Like colleges, airports see customers as powerless transients. Hey, you're going to be here tomorrow. You're going to be gone tomorrow, but they're still here. And when Friedman wrote his article on the revolution in universities... It was a wake-up call, or should be a wake-up call, to every traditional butts-in-the-seats, charge you a whole bunch of money to listen to a professor pontificate, because it's all about online. It's all yep. about learning online. Do you know, there was a stat here, just blew my mind. Uh, last May, a year ago, May, Friedman visited Stanford's Computer Science Center just after it opened, and they were doing online learning. And they had 300,000 people taking 38 co courses taught by Stanford professors and a few other elite universities. Today, a year later, they have 2.4 million students taking 214 courses from 33 universities, including eight international ones. Wow. In one year. In less than a year, from May till today. Wow. So, I mean, that's like nine months. So there's the revolution. It is. It is just going to explode. And it was interesting. When I posted this on LinkedIn, I got a comment back from a Central Connecticut State University professor who agreed with the premise and accepted the challenge of making the in-classroom experience so much more vibrant. And my response to him was a wish to blend the two. Make the in-class experience enhance the online experience and vice versa absolutely then you have students who really win and you know what they are he um friedman in this article which we'll have the link to uh talks about two places uh udacity which i don't know too much about and coursera mm -hmm. and i love coursera okay mm -hmm. and i don't know if you guys have taken classes yet i have not online. i have not nope I, I do. So I just actually, I just logged into my uh, Coursera page here. So I'm taking four classes right now. What are you taking? I am taking um, uh, a composition course, a, a writing course. And you know who's teaching me? No. Someone from Duke University, one of the doctors cool. at Duke University. Uh, I'm also taking um, a finance course. You know where I'm taking that? University of Michigan. All right. I'm also taking oh well this was this one was just for fun science from superheroes to global warming <laughs> that was just that's sort of like my little dessert uh, this is from uh, University do you have a T-shirt you wear when you do that course I <laughs> yes I have cape a little blanket too. that I make into a cape there that's we go great. okay just checking but this is UC Irvine University of California Irvine and then uh, where's my other one from oh and then I'm taking um, I'm taking two finance courses uh, one is a personal finance. Uh, course 
Um, and I forgot where I said that was from. Well, where do you find the time to do all this, Brian? Uh, I'm that's impressed. From Duke, and then uh, then I'm taking a corporate finance one from Wharton. Yeah, University of Pennsylvania School of Business, Wharton, and one you of know, the best, best in the world. Right. And you know how much this is costing me, ladies and gentlemen, for all four clips? Zero. Hello. How good is that? Hello. Guess what I also get? I get credit for it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to pay. You get credit for it. All right. So for the uninitiated, myself included in that list, how does the school offer that and how does it turn a profit for them? What what, what makes sense there? So this is the Seth Godin give it away for free. Yeah. Okay. These are the hooks that get you in. Yeah, I want to learn about a little bit of corporate finance. Boy, that was so interesting. I've wet my whistle with it. You've teased me a little bit. I want to know more, and I'm happy to pay for it. Yeah. Now, if I just want to stop at corporate finance, great. You know what? Part of our marketing budget, and we can feel good that we passed on some very valuable in- information well, to someone yeah. else out there. And who knows? Maybe you could. Maybe you couldn't afford it. Well, you know what? It's just better for America. It's better for the world that, that more people know this stuff. So isn't that one of the building blocks of getting and keeping customers? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, I'm hooked. Wow. Like there's, I mean, I hope That's Coursera goes on forever. At its best. At its very best. I will. Love it. I will never not be taking a course on Coursera. I will never, unless I end up taking them all and it's just like, you know, it's these 400 courses and I end up taking them all. But um, and for those out there listening, it, Coursera is C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A. Right. And Udacity is U-D-A-C-I-T-Y, both.com. Uh, well, Coursera.org. But, dot org, excuse me. But uh, it, may, it may actually relink to it. Some, most of the time these guys do it. But it's a lot of fun. Now, let me tell you about my experience with it. You go in and they have videos for you to watch. Some are in-class uh, recorded and most of the time, it's kind of like the blackboard or electronic blackboard mm-hmm. that they're doing. So you see him writing as he's doing whatever. Um, but you can also, you know, you can make it go a little faster. And I've sped it up to twice as fast. You can go like 1.25, 1.5, 175, yep. and, and twice as fast. And you can still understand him. Yeah. Sometimes if there's a, like in one of my, uh, I think it's my corporate finance class, um, there's an Indian gentleman that's talking. You can't can't quite understand all of them mm-hmm. when he's going at, at two times the speed so you'd back it down to you know 1.5 and so you know a 45 minute 50 minute lecture you do in less than a half hour you're doing 20 minutes wow it's great and then you go through and there's a discussion board with your other learners in just that group nice there's online quizzes there's the research there's the books there's everything's right there now think about the implications in the corporate world for training it's brilliant. We were just talking about customer service at airports. Can you imagine if every airport employee had to go through Walt Disney's customer service training program? I mean, it's a world class. It's the best yeah. there is out right. there. And they put it online. And they say, you have the next three months to complete this program. Yeah. And it's, what, 10 hours, 10, 8 hours, 4 hours, whatever the amount of time is. And they get to complete it. You can give them all X amount of time at work to do yeah. it, that kind of thing. And you know what's great is similarly, uh, FEMA does this. When In my work in the Coast Guard, we always have to do, um, I don't know what you call them, continuing education credit sort of things, for lack of a better term. But you actually go onto FEMA's website, and there are these uh, ICS 100, ICS 200, 800, 700, 400. Um, and it's, all, it's called ICS Incident Command System. And it's what happens in a national emergency. Okay. And then it gets through, you know, all the different things and how a 
um, a command center is uh, structured, who reports to who, if you're the first one on the scene, who has, you know, all the details of who is the the big man on scene, mm-hmm. who's in charge, it's all detailed out right there. So now, and it's not just the Coast Guard that takes this, it's, you know, all government employees, it's all state and local um law enforcement and emergency responders yeah and it's everyone in the uh, regular military outstanding so now we are all on the same page yep. what how do we do it with things like coursera i mean fema the government built its own but it's like that taking courses online and, and you i can, love it you can even elevate it to two-way with skype and other interactive media it doesn't have to be one way you could the only the only challenge there is like in my class I think there's like eight hundred people yeah. in it. it. It it would be on it would be the professor would he wouldn't he wouldn't do it. Yeah, but take this instance though. I mean, Friedman makes a great point. He says, imagine how this could change U.S. foreign aid. For relatively little money, the U.S. could rent space in an Egyptian village, install two dozen computers and high speed an- satellite internet access hire a local teacher as a facilitator, and invite in any Egyptian who wanted to take online courses with the best professors in the world, subtitled in Arabic. Imagine that. That's just, that uh, You want to spread goodwill around the world? Yeah. Educate the world. Sure. That's it. it. You solve so, so, so many problems just by educating the world. And... Content marketing, right? Exactly. It just it brings it is the U.S. marketing itself effectively. I mean, they could learn a, the government could learn a hell of a lot just from this one column. And let alone right here in this country. Yeah, without right. a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Shore to shore. You you both know I'm in the midst of uh, finalizing my next book, and as I read this column, I'm thinking, why do I need hard copy books? I mean, there's a revenue stream associated with it, and I could give it away as a teaser to go online and learn more through the programs. Right. And that's one reason to do it. But for me, just make the whole thing an online experience. Well, and you know what's happening with some books now is uh, it's not just like e-reader books. Yeah. But the book itself that you get like on a tablet, like on your iPad or Nexus 7 or whatever – the interaction is in the book. So if you click, you can yep. click on a play button and hear a piece of music yep. or hear the author explain this. Or, you know, I was talking to this person, and instead of me having you read this entire interview that I talked to this person about lean manufacturing, here's the, you know, yeah, here's the play button. Go you to know. the floor. See the process in action. Yes, that would be great. Take me video. to the plant floor. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, I think, is great. And that's why, you know, this is the, the the new medium is not just, you know, the internet. It's the internet is merely a road to yeah. all these different well said. different new mediums. Yeah. I agree. So I So I got between beating up on airports and Tom Friedman, I had fun with these. That's exciting stuff and I love Tom Friedman. Yeah, I do too. I really do. He's one of my favorite authors of all time, certainly over the past ten, fifteen years. Without a doubt. Yeah, great Without stuff. Um, and where does that lead us, Brian? <clears throat> that leads us into the focus discussion point, which I, I've actually had some thoughts with some uh, other buddies of mine um, about places like Facebook, or more precisely, Facebook. <laughs> um, but this is what are uh, we talking about? 
Eyeballs Redux 1999. A really interesting. Did you pick that title or did he pick that title? I picked that title. No, you picked that title. Explain to me that Eyeballs Redux 1999. Uh, in 1997 through 99, I was neck deep in all types of startups, online web development companies, finance packages, the angel community, etc. I was d downtown Boston. Probably over the three years, I touched two dozen deals and helped put together funding to the tune of, uh, in some instances, over $20 million. And every one of them, to a deal, was all about eyeballs. And that's what people with money were buying. You get me an audience and I win. And the business models... And that's the reason the uh, dot-com bubble crashed. The business models didn't have any sound foundation for revenue. How do we make money? Oh, we'll be an advertising model. Once we have 10 million viewers and 10 million eyeballs, yeah. we'll be an advertising model and people will pay us to see the eyeballs. And everybody says, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it. I picked the title here because Facebook, with their new search graph search engine, right. is not sharing. On Facebook. Well, they're not sharing with the world. Right. The, the, the search graph is... is On Facebook, yeah. and it is, it, it is the castle surrounded by the moat. Yep. They're not letting anybody... They're not putting the drawbridge down. They're not letting anybody in. And they're basically saying, we work too hard to build all of these graphs of connections for people and interests and friends, etc., for exactly. every one of our users. So we're not going to let all of these other startups and early stage companies who want to leverage our database to make themselves successful. We're not going to let them do that. The difference and why I call it Redux 99 is that the Internet in the last from 99 till today has become a ground up driven environment. And there are. Half a dozen Facebooks already in the works someplace right now. Yeah. And somebody is going to turn around and say, okay. You know, it's not actually, it, it's hard to get to a Facebook level. Uh, you, Microsoft has built a Facebook. I don't, yeah, do you know what it is? Mm -hmm. Google Plus? No. No. That's Google. Google. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, uh, what's Microsoft's social community? Does anybody know? I don't. I, mean, I don't. It's called social, which is. S O dot C L. Who the hell goes on it? I don't know. Probably nobody. Never heard of it. You know, so that's that's one of the now LinkedIn is one of the oldest, if not the oldest. Uh Twitter is obviously in there. I'm not really sure there's a community on Twitter. Twitter is just sort of like constant noise. Yeah. But Twitter is actually kind of fun if you know how to use it. And I actually get very I don't know how to say this. I first joined Twitter and did the eyeballs redux. I want as many followers as possible. Yeah. And how you did it was add me back. So I add, 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 and they added me back. And add, 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 and they added me back. And then I just, you know, you slowly build this big behemoth. And then it suddenly dawned on me that I'm not using Twitter. I am creating followers and I'm following people on Twitter, but I'm not using it. And so I dramatically slashed what I was doing. And I got up to maybe 2,000 followers. Good for you. And that was great. Um, but I was following like 3,000. 
I said, this is nonsense. I can't follow all these people because I can't, I can't use it like mm-hmm. this. I cut it all the way back to like 150 or 200, so somewhere in there. I don't know what I have right now. And I started interacting with these people. Yeah. And, you know, putting up our blog posts or whatever like that. But just having discussions on it. You know where we are? Let me, let me check where we are now because I don't actually know. I think we're at like 7,000 with that. Really? Because of interactivity. As That's opposed cool. to, you know, just follow me back, just follow me back. I'm sorry. No. I have 270. I'm following 273 people. We have 10,879 followers. Mm-hmm. And this is because it was the less is more idea which is you can't help but just want to follow everyone so they follow you back so the amount of followers you have oh i'm loved well help me help me with my muddled thinking how does that connect back to facebook so what they're doing facebook is ruining your social media it's no longer social it's dictatorial yes networking so we have on our facebook page I don't know. How many people do we have on our Facebook page that like us? I, I know I have like two or 3,000 people that follow me personally. And then on our horn page, I'm going to come up right now. We have, we have less than Twitter. We have 7,400, 7,446. So here's what Facebook has decided. Oh, okay. Well, 7,000 people are following you. Now, unless those people go directly to this page and look for our blog posts, Mm-hmm. 7,446 people do not get this, do not get this in their newsfeed. Facebook makes some kind of determination about who is going to get it. They deem who is going to get it. Much like my friends. I have two or 3,000 friends on Facebook, and not all of them will get my happenings yeah. in their newsfeed. I've noticed that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. That that doesn't doesn't help. That doesn't help. You've just like you've taken away any value that there is to Facebook right now. Like I I don't understand. Like so I could have a billion followers, and you could decide one day. Hmm, you know what? Only one of your posts in the next month is going to make it to anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, then what the hell is the point of being on Facebook? Good point. It's no longer social media driven. Uh, Google Plus now has started this thing. Uh, called communities which you can make a community page which i encourage you all to do we have an on the horn community page with all the different shows um someone subscribes to that boom they get it that's it if you become obnoxious they can unsubscribe they can even the user can decide to mute you down and say okay you know what give me only one or two of his posts every week but now that's the user doing it as opposed to google doing it got it so that makes much more sense because now it's it's networking, right? Yep. yep. It's social. I want to interact with the other person. I don't want this, you know, referee in the middle yeah. changing the rules, which is what Facebook is doing. So for the first time, I will say, I, I, I think Facebook has a big old chink in the armor. I, it struck me when I read it that it was basically saying we're not going to let anybody play in our sandbox. Yeah. And and what do you think their motivation, other than protecting you know the turf? It's the- revenue driven, is it? I have a whole another big theory about this, but if I want every one of my people to see this, uh, to see a post, it'll cost me seven dollars. So they can take seven dollars out of my pocket, and they will blast it out to seventy four hundred people. So now, 
they're more like a pimp. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. And all of my friends are the whores. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's a little weird too. But that's, if that's the way, that's if, a if that's the business, business model, model, if that's the business model you want to follow, okay. Um, and clearly, I'm not going to do that. I mean, we post, I'm posting things all the time. I would, you know. That's a that would be a fortune. model. So I don't really understand why they would do that. And I think, here's my, my bigger philosophy. The government is trying to ruin Facebook. The government? Facebook didn't go public. They had to go public. If you have a certain number of revenue um, versus the fraction of employees, the government mandates that you become a public company. Well, I didn't ever knew that. You, Facebook no would, would not be legally allowed to be a private company anymore. So they made it go public. Well, all right. You and so what is Zucker, that? What so, about equity funds and they're not public hedge funds? Yeah, I know, but they've got to have ex, a ratio far in excess. I mean, I know some hedge funds that make billions of dollars and have three employees. Yeah, but those are those are more passive things. This is this is a company. In other words, you have to differentiate between a hedge fund's business is investment performance, like their product is investment return. Yeah. You know, so it's not the same as Facebook is, I'm not really sure what Facebook's model is. It's not the same as uh, GE that makes everything, you know, aircraft engines and. But they're uh, both incorporated businesses. They're both incorporated businesses. But once you reach a certain level of uh, revenue to personnel, you have to go public. You're mm. going to have to help me with that one. Cause I, I, okay. So Facebook has, I have no idea how many employees they have, but you know, they have somewhere North of 10,000 employees, which is an awful lot of employees. Yeah. Okay. So, and they have billions of dollars in revenue, even though their PE ratio is like 120 or some nonsense like that. So because you have so many employees, and because you have so much revenue, you have to go public because it is now we can. You are almost really a public company anyway because you are making so much revenue. You're an economic engine, and you employ so many people in the United States that if you ever faulted or went out of business, that would be a detriment to uh, the United States. We need you to go public, so there's equity behind you. So there's equity behind you, and you can this spread that risk. This is a law. This is you cannot. Facebook was not allowed to be a private company anymore, and it happens to other private companies, which is actually why a lot of these app stores or application companies they end up selling out to places like <laughs> Google or Facebook or Microsoft or whomever. Uh, Rim, if Rim has any money anymore. I don't think they do. <laughs> Poor Rim. I want Rim to succeed, but I'll never buy a BlackBerry. Well, back on point, though. I mean, Tommy, with regard to getting and keeping customers. Uh, who is a customer of Facebook? I don't, we all three of us are. Are we really? I think we're users. Well, I don't know if we're customers. Tommy, I'd consider us customers. I wouldn't consider us customers. Consider us users. If we were customers... We'd be paying for it. I think we're, I, I'm going to go, I know it's going to be hard to believe, I'm going to go with Brian with the potential of segue to I'm a user that has the potential to be a customer. I've never spent a dime with Facebook, 
but I'm in there on a semi-regular basis utilizing, and I'm hearing from Brian, who knows a lot more about it than I do, um, that um, that they're hoping by putting up these, you know, walls, firewalls that don't allow me to do all the things that I would like to do, that at some point in time, I'm going to say, I'm going to spend that $7. It motivates me to want to reach all my people with this one particular blast. And if I do it once and I get the kind of results that I want to get, then I'm going to spend the $7 again next yeah. week and the week after and the week after and the week after. But, right, and but, you know what's interesting is if Facebook said, okay, we'll make it really social for you, uh, anything you post and who has your friends, it'll go out to them in their newsfeed, period. And it will cost you $100 a year. I'd do it. I give them a hundred dollars a year. That way, you know you could do as many as you wanted. Right. Yeah. I mean, but now it's seven dollars. This is like you know paying per minute. Here's one of the the fallbacks, though. I think or shortcomings of their business model is I think the average user is clueless to the minutia that Brian is now sharing with us. I believe that. Oh, I I would yeah I would believe that most businesses that have a page on Facebook think once they have you know nine hundred people liking their page that all of their posts go to all those people absolutely they have no idea that like probably none of them do right or it's a very small percentage of that 900 aggregate number all right to build on what both of you are positing here then i would if if we are users as opposed to customers i think probably in some boardroom in facebook's offices the discussion has been had that we are their product. Oh no, a- absolutely, definitely. definitely their product. Definitely, yeah. we're a- and everyone we're on the planet. Not a user, we're their product. Yeah, we're yes. a user, and, and and no, I absolutely agree with it. Two different concepts, right there, but um, that's that's the Google model as their product. My role in life is, as far as Facebook is concerned, is to be manipulated to their advantage. Every company I think, with a product set manipulates the product set to their advantage and to their customer satisfaction. Period. That's what products are for. I think well, no products are to be made so attractive that customers want them. Manipulated so customers want it. That's okay. What, yeah, but I don't. But I'm as I'm not an attractive. I'm I'm not attracted anymore. I'm not attractive. Then they drop you out of the product line. You uh, you have a. Small little minutia space in the Facebook universe. Yeah. But unless you give me seven bucks, that space stays exceptionally micro small. You know what would be interesting is to is to do like do a monthly test of let's do like the business show and the and the music show. Okay. And only you know, one month only pay for the uh it's four or five shows a week, so that's like, you know, thirty five bucks or something like that. Uh, for the business show to be released to everybody. And then the next month, do it for the blue show and see how the numbers change. I'd love that. That would be interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. We, cool. need a, we need a sponsor for that, though. Going back to what you're bucks, saying, though, you know, I'll use my <laughs> personal Facebook page as an example. Because of the likes that I have clicked on over the past two or three years, and I'll use one area in particular, two areas, music mm-hmm. and metaphysical information. Okay. On that right-hand side of the page, yeah, what, oh yeah. what comes up are 
Eckhart Tolle just released a new book. You know, Wayne Dyer is, yeah. you know, has got a new CD set. Uh, Fender Guitars just released, a, you know, a reissue of the 1957 Strat. Yeah. I mean, it's all so obviously that's the manipulation of me, the product. Sure. But they're going to Fender Company and the, the publishing company for Deepak Chopra, et cetera, and saying, we've got... yeah. 50,000, more than that, uh, the, the Tommy Russo's of the world that we're going to make sure your ad shows up because look at all the likes that he has gone and clicked on. Welcome to the world of cookies. There you go. I yeah. mean, I, I, you commented on the boots I'm wearing. Right. Ever since I bought them from the company that manufactures them online, which is, I probably had them for six months now, there hasn't been a day that's gone by that when I've loaded my browser, that company's ad isn't sitting someplace on the right-hand side of that page yeah. every <laughs> yeah. day since I bought the boots. That's because they love you. you know, and, and you know what's also interesting is you've already bought the boots. I know. You don't need another pair of boots. But I love I've, the boots, so I love the company, and they'll come, I'll go back. Right? Yeah, but so maybe it's just sort of a, they call it image advertising, brand awareness. Brand awareness. But I, I've had down. the same thing happen to me where I bought three pairs, but this was in the mall. I went to the mall. I know, terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and I bought three pairs of uh, the Johnson and Murphy shoes. Bought two new pair of wingtips and, and a pair of loafers. All needed replacing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I bought this. I don't know, a couple Fridays ago or something. And almost every day I get an email because they asked for my email address, yep. telling me about a sale that they're having on wingtips and, and loafers. And loafers. To which I get why they're you know okay, this is a Johnson and Murphy customer, and we want to tell them about stuff. But, dude, I just bought this for more. Yeah. And but, you're telling me how much now you're going to give a deal to someone else? Like, you're rubbing my face in it. But the <laughs> That's terrible. The consumer watchword is that consumers never are done spending money. That's why they keep coming back to you. I'm in the market. In, this, in 2013, I'm going to get a new car. I've shopped two different manufacturers that I'm interested in. Which ones? Lincoln and Volvo. No, I like the Volvo. Lincoln's too old. You're not a Lincoln guy. Yeah, Lincoln's got you're too new, stodgy. They got new models that are pretty good. No, you're too hip for that. You can't wear those boots in a Lincoln. <laughs> I can't. No, 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 no. You need like uh, what do they call those? Like therapeutic shoes. What do they call those? Orthopedic. Orthopedic shoes. I promise tomorrow I will go through my cookie file and for three hours search out every Lincoln cookie and delete it. But that aside, those ads are the only car ads that continually pop up on my web. Pages. Right, they've right. got your number, Bucko. Cookies galore. <laughs> That's right. You could oh, do. That you sounds could like be a, a James Cadillac Bond guy. film. No, not a Cadillac guy. My old, my late father had a Cadillac. I hated that car. Okay, you can't I, have a Cadillac. I felt like I was riding around in a, a living room, down comforter bed. <laughs> I mean, it was the most. I, I never felt the road. You couldn't feel the road in a Cadillac. Well, I, I but by design, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of big. <laughs> flabby 70 year old asses sitting in Cadillacs they don't know how to feel the road anymore I think we got derailed on the air I think we got derailed in this show somehow it's fine how to get and keep customers Cadillac yeah the road um neat stuff any last thoughts before we head out I just give me a prognosis on Facebook strategy what do you think is going to happen uh I don't know now I really don't know before, I just thought like they were just going to click on the uh, mobile advertising app yeah. and literally all their problems were to be solved. Now they're doing stuff that I'm just like, wait, the whole purpose of Facebook is social. You are like 
it's like Twitter, you, uh, Facebook, and uh, and uh, and uh, you know LinkedIn and Google Plus. Yeah. Like you guys are the big behemoths in the room. That's that's social media. When people think social media, and you you've destroyed social media. Your dictatorial media sounds like they're declaring war. I, yeah, I like. Uh, but they're declaring war on their users. I know. Like I don't care. Like that's the last person. Like if everyone stopped using Facebook. You got nothing. Yeah. The only thing you got going for you is billions of people use it. And if you piffs off the billions of people, I would way rather see, you know, pay a hundred bucks a year, pay 200 bucks a year. So then is that their motivation for not educating their users to let them know <clears throat> that, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that the user- But here's the thing. If it's a revenue thing, so many people don't realize it. So so many people aren't going to pay. Yeah, not educating is just like cardinal sin one. I think so too. Yeah, yeah but you wonder if that's part of the the the, the plan. I don't know. I I'm, I'm like Brian. I'm just confused right now. I truly <laughs> yeah, no. am confused with Facebook right now. I, I have. I'll tell you. I've been spending more and more time on Google Plus, which is a lovely community. Um, the administrators of all the different communities that you can. It's like LinkedIn where you have groups that you can yeah. join. Um, they're just, they're fun. They have a, like a list of people who are like, it's, it's more like LinkedIn groups are, I have an idea and I want to build a group. Communities on Google plus is more like, you know, I bet you there's a lot of people that would like to talk about this. Let me make a community page for it. Cool. And then like more people come in and then they get to know, is it, Hey, you know, do you want to help admin with this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, here, I'll give you this. Yeah, okay, I'll give you... Hey, I brought this guy in. Oh, great, that's great. And there's nothing that you can do to harm one another. Mm-hmm. You're just posting stuff, and if you don't like something, you delete it. That's it. Um, It's much more... What's the word? Organic? Yeah. And uh, much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. But that's that. So that's next That's my week, closing thought. Next week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go on to LinkedIn and maybe... We could probably find some business communities on uh, Google+. Communities is still new. It's still it's less than a month old, I think. And we'll find some interesting uh, discussions. And we'll also go into the uh, mailbag at onthehorn.com. By the way, if you want to email us, open for business at onthehorn.com. Or if you have um, shoes you want to sell, Ken, <laughs> it's Ken Cook. I think it's Ken Cook. Is it Ken mm-hmm. Cook? And on the horn, or is it just Ken? And on the horn, it's Ken. Ken. Maybe it's just Ken. It is just Ken. If it's not, then it comes to my email address, so don't screw it up. Um, <laughs> what size shoe do you wear? <laughs> I just threw out. I went through my whole closet. I threw out thirty-eight pairs of shoes. Are you serious? I'm down to twenty-six. Oh my god! Which includes four pairs of boots, so that's one thing. And I got rid of four trash bags. Four trash bags of clothing. Wow. 26 pairs of Are you, shoes? You're like the male oh. version of Imelda Marcos. Yeah, I was going there myself. <laughs> Brian, a.k.a. Imelda. Yeah. <laughs> that could be your new online name, Imelda. Well, they gave me, they gave me the audience, um, the listeners gave me a blues name from when we do the blues show. Yeah. What the hell am I? Oh, I'm Ribeye. Ribeye. I'm Ribeye Bry. Rib-eye I like Bry. it. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you very much for joining us. We can't do the show without our sponsors, of course. Gateway Financial Services, uh, the accounting firm of Butterwitz and Meyerjack, Deepwater Seafood, and Central CT Dental. There's also a new sponsor, Malibu Fitness. Thank you very much 
We do appreciate it. Uh, special thanks to Evan Richards, our chat room moderator. We're closing up shop for this week, but tune in next Tuesday at 5 p.m. when we will once again be open for business. Cheers. Cheers.